What is going on? Bar Down Breakdown, episode 170. We are joined today by our new homies, Justin and Tom from Convicted Printing down in Tampa Bay, Florida. Super stoked to chat with you guys. And uh, as you can see, Tom is still not here. He's uh, recovering from surgery, sending him well wishes. But surgery, surgery went well and he's hanging in there. So he'll be back soon. But for now, the show must go on. So, boys, what what's going on? I'm, I'm sure it's hot and humid as hell down in Tampa right now. Yeah, that never changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, my, my wife was just there uh, last weekend for a bachelorette party, uh, Anna Marie Island, which is, like, I guess, like off the coast of Tampa. Yeah, it's like yeah. an hour away. Yeah. It's yeah. She, she said it was beautiful. And yeah, yeah, it's really, really, beach. yeah, it is really pretty. Yeah, I don't I don't deny that. But uh, I guess, you know, let, let's just jump right into it, because uh, the, the Battle of Florida didn't go as everyone was expecting. We thought it was going to be a little bit more of a battle. And uh, your boys handled the Florida Panthers. So I, yeah. I guess are, are, are we I guess let's start with that. Are we both Bolts fans? Yeah. Yep. OK. So, yeah, I've so, been uh, a Bolts fan since before they won their first Stanley Cup back, like probably like five or six years before that. Very nice. Yeah, and I've always like I've always appreciated hockey. And the year before the pandemic, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sit down, like watch literally every single game, and as or as many games as I can, and just try to learn the sport. And so that's where, and I was like, well, I'm going to watch my hometown team. Might as well just do that. So I, my dad was always a Lightning fan. He was more of a Bucks fan, but he's, he's like the Lightning too. So, Yeah, right, right actually before the pandemic, Tom and I went to an Islanders-Bolts game in Tampa. Nice. And just the, the whole, like, atmosphere of, like, all the bars that are around the arena and – it just being so nice. <laughs> and oh, this, yeah. was, this was February. So it, it literally was right before the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, even February in North Carolina can be <laughs> a little cold and, and gray. But going to Tampa in February does something for your soul. Like being able to wear shorts and watch oh, hockey. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. I grew up. I, I played hockey uh, all through high school, uh, and I was in Florida. I, I moved to uh, Pennsylvania and played for a prep school for a year. Um, but my, most of my experience with hockey has been being in the rink, you know, obviously sweating my ass off whenever, like, I'm, when I'm playing. But then, you know, come out and it's cold in the rink, and then you go outside and it's hot and humid. And it's just like, oh, this is this is it's not great. interesting. <laughs> See, yeah, that's got to be interesting. I, yeah. Usually over the summer when I was up in New York, like the leagues and stuff started to slow down. Like, yeah, they had summer leagues, but some people just took those off because they weren't as competitive. Yeah. And I, I guess I never really experienced like going into the to the rink and then coming out when it was, you know, 95 degrees. Like that's that's <laughs> kind of yeah, a weird feeling. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that for me, it's like that's been my whole life with hockey. So, but I'm like, yeah, this is probably weird for most people. Yeah. yeah. It, but, you know, it, it's kind of, it was weird, but now as hockey has spread to, you know, non-traditional hockey markets, yep. it's the norm now. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, there's, there's a whole group of kids that are only used to that, that are yep. now playing in the NHL. Like it's, yep. it's, it's cool to see. And, uh, you know, I, I, on the outside, looking in i was really hoping that that florida series would have been a little bit more competitive and and like went to (laughs) six or seven games because you know i I think it does wonders for the sport of hockey when that happens but who knows you know if if carolina takes care of the rangers this weekend then that that those are two non-traditional markets where we'll have Tampa and Carolina in the Eastern Conference Final, which yeah, they always end up playing each other in the playoffs every year, and it's always six, seven, or like five, six, seven games every time. So it's going to be a good match for sure. Yeah, and 
if if the Rangers make it, it'll just be the Rangers versus the Rangers. So <laughs> <laughs> seriously, and it's going to be a physical game if the Rangers make it through. That'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Either way, and then out in the West, like, can you have dreamt a better scenario of having the Oilers in Colorado? Like, oh, do you mean the um, <laughs> what's his name? Um, the, the Edmonton McDavid's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the McDavid show. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. They're killing it right now. They're but. killing it, but you know, Evander Kane's been having a killer playoff too. So, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's other superstars yeah, that are. Been, been he's on yeah. fire. He has been on fire. So, I, I think that it's going to be uh, an interesting, you know, conference finals, and uh, I'm all for it. Especially since I, I kind of once my team gets eliminated, I kind of just go based on what's like the storyline. Like, what's what would be like kind of newsworthy for people that are not hockey fans that would then yeah. be like, Oh, this is cool. Like, let me watch a game. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to be interested in the, the Colorado Edmonton series, just because you have, you know, such young superstars that are now at that level yeah. and Edmonton's finally made it, you know, past the first round. And I, I think it's going to be uh pretty sweet to see. Yeah. It'll be fun for sure. I, 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 don't know. I don't know who's winning that one. I think the Avs, but I'm not sure. And I, I'm going to say right now, and I have no bad blood with the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though you guys eliminated us, you know, the past <laughs> few years. Like, I just don't want you guys to be, like, one step closer to, like, what the Islanders did in the 80s and having four straight cups. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> You guys had your two straight. You had your fun. Let, let's let's leave it at that. <laughs> and let's let the you know that what the Islanders did in that dynasty kind of live on a little bit longer. Honestly, though, it's Cooper, dude. Him as a coach, insane dude, for real. Well, I, I'm not sure if you guys know his like rise to the head coach position. Not from- all of it, but I know I was actually just hearing that he was like a was he like a lawyer? Yeah, he was a lawyer. Yeah, and then coached high school, like because he was like, oh, in college, like, oh, this is interesting, and then yeah. went from there, and it's like, wow, that so no background in hockey, yeah, fundamentally, no, like and, he he was a lacrosse player, he played at Hofstra, which is like a small, it is a D one school, but a small D one school on Long Island, right? Okay, okay. so like he he has more of a luck lacrosse upbringing, hmm. and then yeah, like you said, he was a lawyer that kind of took on like June like like junior uh like high school and stuff like that and rose to just what where he's at now that's just unbelievable yeah yeah it's, it's it's pretty crazy i think one of the cool things going back to when you were talking about just like all the bars around the area and everything around the stadium it's funny because you're talking about how like tampa is not like a traditional hockey market like you would be like, oh, the Bucks—they make sense, but like the Lightning being so good, it's crazy because you go around downtown area, downtown Tampa area, and even when like the Bucks were in the Super Bowl, like obviously yeah. there was like stuff. There was stuff around. That was like a side note. There was like stuff around, obviously, but when the Bolts are in the playoffs, it is nothing but Lightning everywhere in yeah. Tampa. It's it's honestly insane to see such a hot like humid city be so into hockey. It's, it's insane to see. It really comes down to the location because the arena's location is prime. It is an absolute, like awesome, like the trolley line, right? Right. Can take you right to like Ybor city, right to the arena, like dumps you off right there. Like Mm -hmm. you can't get better than that. Right. And, you know, I I stayed at like the northern part of Tampa and was able to ride the trolley down just like a few stops. So like didn't have to Uber, didn't have to do any of that. Like all those convenient factors make it work. And then all the bars and restaurants are just going to get business from that as well. Yeah. And then on the other side, you have the Florida Panthers where their arena makes no sense. And that's why they struggle pretty much every year with attendance because <laughs> – even people that live in like the Fort Lauderdale area, it's just not convenient for them to get right, yeah. to sunrise. So, just roll out. Yeah, it, it's it's tough where it, it just makes sense. And then you you look at where the Tampa Bay Rays play. 
Like that doesn't make sense. And that's why. Yeah, Yeah, there's a way out there. Yeah, and that's why that doesn't, <laughs> that team doesn't do well. So I I I think that the Lightning have kind of just been set up for success, and the same goes for like the Nashville Predators. Their mm-hmm. arena is right on Broadway, like the most tourist center for Nashville. We parked right by Owen Brown tour that one time. Yeah, like right there. I remember seeing. Yeah. That. I was like, holy crap! It's just there. Just there. It's yeah. you can't get better than that, and I think that's why Nashville has taken off, and even. When they have down years, their attendance is still, you know, right in the middle of the pack or higher because you got people in town are just like, oh, you know what? Let me catch this game. Like, oh, the, the pressure yeah. plan. Let me go. Like, it's it becomes. Something, something yeah, something to do is there. Even if you're not into hockey, it's like some, it's something to do. Yeah, because even the nosebleeds at Emily are like, what, 40, 50 bucks a ticket, which is like. Oh, yeah. If you're just going out on a weekend or something, you're yeah. like, oh, it's a Saturday. I'm going to go watch a Saturday game, whatever. Yeah. And like and you can see from up, you can see from anywhere in that arena. Yeah. So it's like 40, 50 bucks you go. It's fun. Yeah. The the time that I was I was there, I was actually in the last row. The like nice. absolute last yes. row. And yeah, you know, it, it's different than when you sit in the last row for a football game or something like right. that, where you yeah. really are far away. Mm-hmm. But for you know, hockey arenas, there's eighteen to twenty thousand at most in those arenas. So if you're even in the last row, you're not that far. Right. So it, unless like you're in maybe like Montreal or one of those yeah. a markets where, yeah, maybe the, the last row is pretty far, but yeah, it wasn't bad at Tampa. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I remember, I remember going to games, speaking of 40 to $50. I remember when I was re- like, really like diehard uh, lightning fan. Um, I remember tickets were like seven bucks in the nosebleeds. That was was that at Emily when it was the Ice Ice Palace or whatever? Yeah, didn't even have corporate sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. So that's like going back to when they they first got the team. Like, I guess out of curiosity, because I'm 35 years old, I remember when the Tampa Bay Lightning became a team. Yeah, like they started at the fairgrounds and the expo hall. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that was, I think, like, or like 91, 92, something like that. I was in St. Louis at the time, um, but then moved to, down here, like, mid-90s, and um, that, like, the Lightning became my team, and back when uh, Darren Poopa was their goalie, like, that's when I first got into them, um, and it was probably, so probably maybe, like, two or three, four years, something like that, after they started um, that's how long I've kind of been following. Was Esposito still part of the team then? I think so. Yeah, he was involved. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, I guess let's just kind of hear some of those early memories that you have because that that's always interesting for me. So like when you were in elementary school, middle school, going to games for probably the first time, like what what's your – your moment as a Bolts fan? Um, I, I don't know. We, the, well, the Bolts were kind of small at the time, um, obviously. And so I've always, I've always kind of been like uh, an underdog kind of type and I've all, you know, rooting for the underdog, all that kind of stuff. So I was always like, yeah, like the Bolts were definitely the underdog for a long time. Um, and so for me, it was like, yeah, I'm supporting, you know, the, you know, my hometown team, uh, you know, and as they're, they're improving and all that kind of stuff. But one of the cool things is the, uh, the year that before they won the Stanley cup, they have this like area around the back where all the players come out. Um, and uh, like, it's real easy to just walk over there and just like get autographs. So for that whole year, we went because they're like seven bucks. Uh, it was actually like one of the cheapest things to do for, you know, me and my family. So that that was like we did that probably like you know two or three times a month, um, and so we went. and I had a lightning jersey, and I got pretty much all of the pretty much all of the players the year before they won the Stanley Cup signed get, like got them signed in this jersey. So that was probably one of my uh, probably one of my my favorite experiences collectively. And, and what about you, Justin? 
Um, my earliest memory, I was in elementary school. Like I was super young and we won the first cup. And my dad pulled me out of school because they were going to do the parade. Now we have a boat parade. And they go, oh, yeah. I want to hear yeah, about it's that. Insane. Oh, it's insane. It's <laughs> insane. But now, but back then they just took it like through downtown Tampa, Kennedy, like near the arena and everything. And everybody, like they shut down downtown. And like, so my dad pulled me out of school and we went to it. And I remember seeing all the players go by and everything like that. And I was like, this is super cool. And then they were throwing out like, not like chucking, obviously, but they were throwing out like throwing out pucks and stuff with like the um, Stanley Cup year on it. And I caught one. Nice. Like, so that was like my earliest memory is like going nice. to that with my dad. My dad pulled me out. He did the same thing when the Bucks won their first Super Bowl. And so that was probably my first memory of it. And like I said, I watched them. Oh, that no, that's, that's, oh, a, that's, a, that's, that's a, a more recent one. Yeah, yeah that's Yanni Gordon said that book. Nice. But, um, but no, I just, my dad has it. So my dad has that and he has like the, the OG lightning hat. And yeah, I have, a, I have an OG lightning hat jersey. I like my dad's keeping home on to it. Of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> and I have like all the, the year pins, like the 10 year pin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. As you know, as they were, they were growing and really like they had one of the things that they did actually, they had a guy, oh, I forget his name now. He, uh, he was basically the, like their fan development guy. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I feel like such a jerk for forgetting his name. Um, but he actually went around. They did like they did like little clinics and like street ball matches and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that before I ever got into, I first started in roller hockey and then got into like I played street hockey forever, basically my whole life, and then um, got into roller hockey, then into ice hockey. Um, but before that, we would go to like pretty much all the clinics that they would put on. So it's like, it was really cool how the lightning did it like progressively over time, getting people like just interested in the sport in general uh, as an activity. Um, and they really sponsored a lot of stuff around the community um, and like the high school hockey leagues mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and really got the community involved um, and like interested in the sport in general. And then cool. they, when they do their training camps, they have it at, um, like they're like the postseason training camps and stuff. Yeah. They do it at a local ice rink here. That's like probably 15 minutes away from where we are right now. And that's where they do like beer league hockey ice, like, like young kids learning how to ice skate and stuff like that. And then there's two rinks and on one rink, that's where they all practice. So if you just go up there and it's free to go in there and yeah, like you walk around, them. you can just see them and they'll let you just watch them like up above them and stuff like that. It's crazy. It's just so smart, and it's like those little things that make people fans. And you know, the the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't going anywhere now. Like they have, right. yeah, like they, they like legit have legit fans who are going to be diehard fans for the rest of their lives. And yeah. it, it takes that groundwork, you know. And, and I'm starting to see like the Islanders doing that now. Now that they have their new arena that they have to fill. Mm -hmm. They're doing that like necessary work that teams kind of don't want to like don't want to do necessarily, yeah. but it's so necessary and uh, it, it it really has built a core fan base. And I saw it when I was there. Like these people are legit hockey fans in Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it's it's awesome. Even though in the early two thousands, like those games when you, what you guys were talking about, like your first cup run, you, you guys took out the New York Islanders and I thought that that was like the year that they, they could have went far and <laughs> we just had an unlucky uh, matchup and you guys I think beat us in six or maybe it was even five like it, it wasn't too competitive but that that those lightning teams are just unbelievable oh like, yeah well the reason we freaking like crushed the Panthers this year is because of we were just getting pucks hit at us and the, every defenseman was just laying their bodies on the line to block every shot that came at Massey. It was insane. Like, and we yeah. just broke down their offense, and then they took too many risks, and then lo and behold, we're down three on one, and then we score. Like, that's, like, the story of almost all of those games. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Like, the, the Panthers, I think, had the most goals during the regular season since, like, the Stanley Cup era. Like, <laughs> the most regular season goals. 
three yeah. goals on us that entire the four games. Like yeah, they only have one goal, like like every game that they play, yeah. except for the one the time Bassey shut him out, and then yeah. he has six freaking clinching shutouts now. Yeah, that's what I've. That's what my dad was telling me. That's nuts. Yeah, it it's going to be uh, a, a interesting rest of the way for sure. I, I think uh, hockey fans are are in for a treat. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. With the the talent that's still left, and you know, I I think that out of like the Rangers Carolina series, that's probably going to be the team that's the least talked about, but mm-hmm. could be sneaky. And like the Hurricanes, especially if uh, if the Hurricanes advance. A lot of casual hockey fans probably can't even name two players on that team, <laughs> but right, yeah, they they are dangerous and fast, and mm-hmm. so I feel like their game is very similar to Tampa's game, where yeah. that would be just <laughs> either like an offensive showdown, like yeah. it would just be like seven six every game, or yeah. like. Or they just try to like play shutdown, and, and then it's like a really low scoring series. I, I think they're just so similar those two teams. Mm-hmm. We will see. I mean, it starts Wednesday, so we'll see. Hell yeah! So let let's talk about those boat parades that have been going on the past two years. Like, I I, I thought it was hysterical when all the dudes like Stamkos and them were just like riding up on their jet skis, and it kind of like oh, reminded me of the Mighty Ducks, like. Yeah, no, dude, Maroon is a legend in Tampa now because of just him being all of them were like sort of dressed up nice or whatever. When they like after the boat parade, they like like had polos and shorts on or whatever. And then Maroon comes up there with this straw hat, no shirt, drunk out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, it's like back to like old school hockey with these, Seriously. With these guys. It's like, because like, hockey's always kind of been like more of like a live life, like, and not like recklessly or like in any kind of like, like more like destructive way, but like a, we're just going to have fun and it's like it's a good time. Uh, and hockey's kind of always had that culture where it's like a, just a fun, good, like respectful time. But, like, I, I feel like there has been, like, within the past decade or so, there has been a more, like, suit and tie kind of approach. And the Lightning is kind of like, nah, we're not doing the first one party. I mean, <laughs> they, they freaking did number one BS on their on their, on their their rings because of what Kucherov said when he was holding the Bud Light during the post-game interview about Vassy. It was hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, at one point, I'm sure the keeper of the cup was scared. <laughs> that the cup was just going to be sitting at the bottom of the bay. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Kalorn took the cup to Montreal right outside the stadium was classic. That was, that was hilarious. Beautiful. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's fun when, when teams do something that's like city specific when they celebrate, like that, yeah. that could only happen in like Tampa. And right, yeah. maybe like one of the LA markets, but like, <laughs> I, I I think by having a boat parade, it just I, I it have like the Bucks done that when they won their like when they won their Super Bowl. Well, we have no, they did a video boat parade too. There's a it there's a parade. thing we do every year called Gasparilla, and it's like basically the pirate, pirate parade. Pirates invade and then take over the city. Yeah, and then leave. And it's always like there's a bunch of like charity and stuff that goes around it, and it's always like a pirate parade. And so um, the the lightning doing that is very specific to this. Like, yeah, there's a lot of culture surrounding that, and the the rink is literally right by the the canal that goes through. Yeah, they just so followed just, they followed that river walk thing just to the arena and yeah. dial off the boats there. That's awesome. And I guess before we move on to some convicted talking talk, and this is convicted, I guess, adjacent, you know, the, the last cup you guys were approached to make the the Stanley Cup championship uh, billboard. So I, yeah. I'd love to hear like how they approached you and, and, you know, what the finished product was, because that's super cool. Yeah, they uh, so I think like as they were making the press for the second cup, 
um, we were contacted, um, and I guess it was a few months before, uh, we were contacted, hey, we're doing a special thing for the Lightning, um, and we oh, need, like, the first one. Yeah. The first billboard. We yeah. need a, uh, we need, like, an innovative screen printing company to help us out. And we're like, okay, this is interesting. Um, so we responded, and they told us the project. And basically what it was uh, is that there's this, it's called hydrochromic ink. And what it does is it's white, like opaque uh, when it's dry. But then once it gets wet, it basically turns translucent. So they had uh, like a trial billboard that we did. Um, we went to the, like the billboard manufacturing company um, and basically brought like this humongous screen and basically used like a giant like screen screen squeegee to pull the ink across it. So it was like smooth and um, and then they so they put it up and it was just white and then had like a little like be the thunder kind of thing at the bottom. And then when it rained, uh, it said something like, uh, what did it say? I forget what it said, but it had like Vassy, it had Edmund, it had Stamco's point, all that. Yeah, and it said like lightning brought this rain or something like that, or bring this rain, something like that, but it was like rain like R E I G N. Yeah, like raining over a kingdom. Uh, and then it was like as it, when it got wet by actual rain, it was like, you know, the lightning brought this rain. And then they did a second one, and this one was like, it was the bout, uh, Right when they, no, 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 just after the first game that they won in the Stanley Cup finals last year, um, the uh, the guy who was we were working with, Troy Dunn, and he runs like a lot of their like physical promotion type stuff and ad campaigns and whatnot. He hit us up and he was like, hey, so it looks like they have a chance of winning and we need to do so this will need to be up potentially by next week yeah <laughs> so we're like same yeah so we're, we're trying to figure it out and we're like okay so we had to like quick contact like like day of contact our screen manufacturing company to get them to make these two humongous screens uh and then and they were like they almost couldn't do it but then we're like hey well it's a project for the tampa bay lightning so what do we like what do we need to pay to make this happen and they're like this oh okay well, like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> and then they there was like a whole shipping issue issue so we had to actually go up there with a u-haul grab the screens come down print it like basically that day and then we couldn't use the place that we printed the last time because okay because this is funny so right after it was between game like three and four there was a hurricane that came into tampa it was oh, a small yeah. one it was a small small hurricane <coughs> like i don't even think it was a hurricane i think it was a tropical storm that. yeah and um they the place that we were originally printing it at was like yo we're like we're not open but we had to finish this thing by like in two days yeah and we were like oh no like we gotta get started now so we had to go pick up the billboard from them and then yeah. bring that over too and we printed this image during a hurricane if that wasn't the most florida thing we could have done <laughs> like for this like potential stanley cup champions in tampa in florida during a hurricane it's like the whole the whole thing this is magical <laughs> yeah uh nerve-wracking but magical nerve-wracking um like do you yeah, remember the okay. dimensions the dimensions for the so it was like they did the whole they had the whole billboard printed it was like a, one of the big ones you see on the highway like 30, yeah, 30 by 20, something like that, or 40 by 20, something like that. Yeah. Um, it, but we only were doing like a portion of it uh, and just covering a portion of it. With it the, only with covered the rain this time. Yeah. Um, so we had this, we have pictures of it and everything too. Uh, but we uh, basically had to clear out this whole area in our shop. And yeah, because the Troy was kind of like concerned. He's like, "Well, they we can't do it there. It's like, where can we do it?" I called him back, and I was like, "Hey, so we can do it at our shop if we can just get the billboard over there." So then I, yeah, I was bringing the screens back, and then Ryan rented another U-Haul to go get the the billboard, bring it back to our location, and then we were there like all night, like all day and yeah. all night, like finishing it, making sure it was ready just in case they won. And then I think. Mid, we were waiting for one of the one of the uh, coats to dry. We went up to the Applebee's right there and then watched them win. Then went back and made sure yep. it was finished. <laughs> so they, they won, they won the third the game. They won the third game, and we were like, "Oh snap! This is happening! We need to finish this billboard." 
Yeah, you're like Montreal. Please just win, win one game, like win, win a game or two, we were, like to get us. We were kind of hoping time. that, honestly. <laughs> but like, I, I, I'm kind of familiar with like the screen printing process. So like the screen that that you guys had to make to do this, like how big was that then? It was taller than me, and I'm six foot. Yeah, it was. I think we did like five feet by eight feet or something like that. And it took you and Ryan both with that squeegee. Yeah, there was two of us. Yeah, we actually have a we have a whole like little documentary that we did. One of our guys did on it that we haven't released yet. So we're gonna be putting that out. Um, so you'll be able to see the the process if you if you check that out. Um, yeah, it was it was fun, um, but a little crazy, but but fun. Yeah. A lot crazy. But geez, yeah, so. because. Like with a normal shirt, like after you squeegee it, then you put it through like that, like kind of looks like a Domino's pizza oven. Yeah, the, like, conveyor dryer. Yeah, <laughs> conveyor dryer. Uh, like yeah, so that with that, it. yeah, like with a, a a size of a banner that you just described, like you can't obviously fit it through there, right? Right. So that well, that the ink that we had was it was dry on its own, so we didn't need to cure it or anything. We had which, fans thank going. God. Yeah, we had fans blowing and everything. So. It, it didn't need to be heat cured like the shirts do, um, but the so we just had to let it air dry, and that was that was a whole f- big thing too because we had to make sure nothing got on it, and like you know make sure everyone was like they have these little booties that you can wear to walk around the billboard. It was it was kind of crazy, you know. Yeah. So I guess the question is, if Tampa, knock on wood, goes to the <laughs> to the to the finals again and contacts you, are you guys willing to take on a project like that again? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. He texted me the first time that we got the billboard thing, and I lost my mind. I remember yeah. I was I was sitting here at my dad's doing work, and my wife was in the other room, and I was like, "Bang!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like, "Bang!" And she just like freaked out. It was hilarious. But yeah, no, we would do it again in the heartbeat. Oh yeah. Is is it still up, or did they take it take it down yet? I think they only left it up for like a week or two. They okay. they have like this bar in the middle of like Soho, like South Howard, Tampa area. And that's where they put it up. But it's a huge billboard, and it's for the lightning. So they always have different lightning billboards up there. It was up for like a week or two or something like yeah. that. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to that documentary because I, I think it it's definitely like seeing screen printing, but like then to like epic proportions like <laughs> for a billboard, it, it's got to be cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like what, what did you guys use for the squeegee? Just uh, so they have when, like when they manufacture squeegees, they it's like like a like a block of wood, and then they put the the rubber inside of it. And when they manufacture them, they manufacture them like real long, and then they chop them up to the size that you need for screen printing. So we're basically just like, yeah, just give us a five foot long one. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably very confused. <laughs> what are you guys doing down there? What is uh, happening? What's happening down in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I definitely want to talk more convicted, and uh, we'll we'll do that after I quickly tell us about our sponsor, DraftKings. So, hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings Same Game Parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age restrictions apply. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Whew. All right. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. So... You know, uh, I'm super pumped to talk convicted uh, and, you know, came across you guys because of our homies out of time who you work closely with. And they did like their battle of bands with you guys and aim high works with you guys closely. So convicted has come onto our radar 
uh, I would say over a year ago, but now we're going to be working together, which is awesome. And yeah. we'll talk about that in more detail. But, um, you know, we, we've, we talk to bands, we talk to labels, we, we talk to um, other podcasts. And, you know, I would truthfully think that the most important part in the music industry right now is merchandise. And, yep. you know, with the age of streaming, bands aren't making money off their music anymore it's unfortunate but it's kind of the reality and one of the areas that bands can still you know make enough money to make this a career or at least a legitimate side hustle is by selling merch and you guys have been working with a lot of our favorite bands so you know it's going to be cool to hear the merch side of uh of alternative music and uh kind of how you guys get started and, and how you linked up with convicted and, and all that. So I, I'd love to, to hear your, you know, involvement in convicted and what your, your day to day looks like. Yeah. How did you link up? With <laughs> uh, very intimately. Uh, <laughs> and as it, it was me and Ryan who started. Um, so yeah, Ryan and I, uh, he's the other co-owner. Um, He's not as into hockey, so he's not doing this. He wasn't invited. He's not, he was not invited. <laughs> um, so he, uh, so him and I, we were working for a benefit concert series. We run a venue here in Brandon, um, and it's all just DIY, uh, focused on like local bands and small touring bands. Um, and we were doing that for a while. Uh, we're still doing that. Um, actually, having our 10 year anniversary show this, this year. So that's pretty cool. But, um, when we were doing that, one of the things we started doing was, um, different events for different, um, like causes. And one of the causes we were, uh, having an event for was human trafficking. So like human trafficking awareness, fighting human trafficking, all that kind of stuff. And, um, in the midst of that, somebody at the because it's a it's a church venue and so somebody at the church there was like hey how do you guys make your shirts um and we're like well we order them from here or whatever and he's like well i have a small like little diy press if you guys want to have it and use it for your you know making your guys shirts and i was like oh that's perfect Mm -hmm. and then ryan and i were kind of the ones working on it and uh about that same time we were working with different consultants for human trafficking and uh, people who like work in the industry, uh, getting people out and stuff like that. And uh, we asked one of the consultants, we were like, hey, so like what could two like young dudes, what would be best for two young dudes uh, to to do to help like impact this, you know, beyond just having a, an event to raise awareness. And she was like, honestly, if more like young, small business owners uh, took on the like took on hiring people after they've been rescued and rehabilitated and helped them reintegrate. That would be a huge, uh, a huge impact on the industry because a lot of times what happens is there's like a recursion rate where they'll get out of human trafficking, they'll get rehabilitated, but they've accrued kind of like a, like criminal records and things like that. So it's really hard for them to find work. So they oftentimes end up finding themselves in a similar situation they're in before because there's nothing outside of that for them, you know, uh, because, you know, there's still stigma around people who have records and whatnot, you know, convictions and all that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and so Ryan and I were both just like, wait a minute. Okay, we're working with a bunch of bands. We already have a, like a, a market of people we, we know and work with who need merch. We have this, we have this screen printing capability now and we have this you know this mission uh and this vision of like oh i was like wait a minute what if we just put this all together and we start working with bands making merch for them and then have the goal of eventually hiring people out of human trafficking um it's like well yeah that just that kind of came together really serendipitously let's do it and that's pretty much the start of it and that's been uh the the journey uh, that we've been on for now, I think seven years. Yeah. Um, and that's still at the heart and soul of what we're trying to do is, is create a sustainable business where we can, we can hire people and give, basically give them, help them, help them get their life back. Yeah. So. I love that. It, it sounds very similar. Like there was a show on animal planet, I think that did that with like rescue and pit bulls and yeah. they, they hired a lot of, you know, ex felons to, 
help work at their like sanctuary or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, it it's all about, you know, second chances and, and, yeah. you know, getting your feet on the ground and, you know, it seems like the world's kind of kicking you when you're down and getting that chance. It's, it's huge. So yeah. kudos to you guys and having that mission. Now, I guess my question is like that original equipment that was like handed to you, is it still functioning? Like, or are you guys upgraded? <laughs> like, <laughs> we have definitely upgraded. There, yeah, we've definitely, definitely upgraded. We, uh, there's like the piece where, like, the platen where you put the t-shirt on. Um, it was just, it's just basically like a thick block of wood, and uh, like press board. And we actually still have that in, in the shop and sometimes use it to stand on. Like if it's like we really got to grind into a design on the manual, we'll stand on that to get kind of more leverage. So it's like there's still an original piece mm-hmm. of what we what we started with being used, you know, frequently in the shop. And then we actually have the um, the first screens, the first three screens that we made for yeah they're like wooden like the crappiest like you can buy them on amazon like real diy stuff uh but they're the first three screens that we made for the event um and we still have those at the shop as well so we don't obviously use them but (laughs) (laughs) yeah So, so like i'm guessing you must have watched like a bunch of youtube videos to like even learn the screen printing process like yeah I'm assuming that you didn't know much about it, right? No, we we got into it. Uh, basically, the guy who gave us the press gave us some like a few tips. He was just a DIY guy as well, and just kind of was doing it for fun. And he was like, "Well, here's kind of the basics." And then we kind of took it and ran from there. And you know, yeah, it was just hours and hours of YouTube and struggle and wanting to pull our hair out and all that kind of stuff. Remember the little heat gun that you yes. used at first? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the little heat gun that we used did not cure the shirts properly. That didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, it was, all. it was a mess. <laughs> yeah. A lot of YouTube though. Uh, that has definitely been uh, like a huge asset for, for building the business. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, when, when, when the passion's there, like, and you guys, clearly had the passion like you wanted to help people and like you know once you have that then all the other pieces kind of just fall into place and and that's kind of like what happened with bar down breakdown like i literally knew nothing about podcasts i didn't even really like listen to them when i started yeah and i just really love talking music and and hockey and i was like you know what i'll make it work and and here we are three years later like I wouldn't say I'm a, a podcast pro, but I can get by like, right, yeah. and it's Super all good. just, it's all just from, you know, w- watching YouTube and letting the passion come out. Right. That, that's, Absolutely. that's what it comes down to. And, and you probably don't feel like you're, you're really working at that point. Like when, right. when you're passionate about it, doesn't feel like work. Yeah, absolutely. Even when it's like a huge struggle uh, or there's something, everything's going wrong or anything like that. There's still like that mission and vision and that passion for the, the, what the project can become that it's like, even in the midst of that, even in the midst of like, you know, two days worth of like no sleep to make this billboard. It's, it's like, it's like, it's definitely like laborious and fit like physical labor and you're actually doing work, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like you're, you're building something, you know, something meaningful. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So, like, I guess, when did you start to branch into, like, the alternative music world? Or, like, I guess you, you had the shows going on, so kind of just fell into place where you were like, oh, like, maybe the start <coughs> yeah. for some bands Basically, that we know? Immediately, yeah. It, it wasn't, it was like, that was part of the progression of it. Uh, and doing it was like, well, bands need merch all the time. You know, so it's like we have a market right there, and we can branch out past that, you know. And we've done that, but <clears throat> music was definitely like central to uh, the the start of the of the whole thing, um, and it's still our bread and butter. I mean, that's where we make most of our money is from is from bands and stuff like that. Yeah, most of our business. So um, that's always been part of it, and that's been something like. And going to what you were saying about merch being an essential part of music, um, that's 
another portion of what we what we're aiming for with Convicted um, is to build more than just just selling them merch, right? Mm -hmm. um, our our whole purpose and our whole mm -hmm. goal is to help bands succeed and build what they're doing into something that is sustainable, something that they can do for a livelihood um, and all that kind of stuff. So it goes, it goes a lot farther than just printing merch for some bands. It's like, we're like intimately involved in helping them grow as musicians, uh, as business people, um, you know, as uh, performers, all of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I, I love that. And then like having these battle of bands and then like putting on shows still it, it sometimes even just like finding a place to play could be so hard these days, especially yeah. post pandemic. Like I, I learned firsthand helping book the bar down break tour. You know, a lot of the, the venues, even in our hometown, like Long Island, you know, that that was one of the most important music scenes in the mm -hmm. early 2000s. Yeah those venues aren't around anymore. So like we wanted to start the tour on long Island and we know so many people still there. And a lot of people that used to book shows on long Island and we would reach out to them like, yo, we got this sick tour. Like we want to start at long Island. They're like, yo, we don't even do shows anymore. Like they're, they're not, no. that's not open anymore. Like right. there's literally on long Island right now. If you know, obviously since Long Island's so close to New York City, like the New York City venue survived. So that like I wouldn't say that the the scene's like dead, but right. on Long Island, there's two places that are doing right. shows. And like other than you know the the VFW halls and like real DIY, but there's two venues, and that's yeah. not what it used to be like. And you know, even finding places for bands to play is it's just tough so it, it's sweet that you guys are offering that as well yeah one of the i mean that was something that happened to us too because there was a venue around still <coughs> still one of my favorite venues ever called transitions um it was in the skate park of tampa if you played Tony Hawk underground to you it, it was at it was at that that skate park yeah. and um it was so much fun it was just a diy venue and then we were doing our thing too because i was i've been doing it for eight years eight. Yeah, yeah eight years i've been doing it for eight years because we've been a thing for 10. but so i've been doing it for eight years and seeing the scene grow and morph and different venues come up and then go out it's been crazy to see and then through the pandemic how some venues survived and somehow some almost didn't and how some just didn't and I, we were very fortunate enough to, it was crazy because we had like a benefit show for the venue and it was the only time we'd ever done it. And someone else actually threw it because I would have never done it. Um, and that money got us through the entire pandemic up until like two months before our first show back. Yeah. Like uh, that was the only way we, we made it, like made it through that with the payments that we had on some sound gear and stuff like that. But we came back and our first show back had that band Koyo on it. And that was, it was, it felt yeah, like, wow. it felt like it had never ended because of like how many people were at that show. The bands were amazing. It was with friends. And so we, that was our first show back and it was insane. Yeah. It was nice. Love that. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's nice to see how some of those grassroots like projects and like, benefits did save some of the venues like there was a, a comp for amh which is the venue on long island like the comp definitely helped keep the doors open for that venue and and you know who knows that if 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 that didn't like take off maybe long island would only have one venue now and that that would just be so wild to me to to think that there's not like places for tours to go anymore other than manhattan and like you know, for the smaller DIY bands, Manhattan's not going to even look at you. Like those the, those venues are going going to want guarantees that are like just something that a smaller band could never do. Mm -hmm. So that that's why Long Island was always perfect for that because it was those middle tier bands that could still then like fill two hundred to five hundred cap rooms, but. They don't th like those size rooms don't really exist in Manhattan. Like you're, you're looking at right. over over a thousand, you know, over a thousand. So like 
there would just be no place then for those middle tier bands to play. Yeah. Yeah. Until this year, like right after the pandemic, the, that pub that does conscious now, we're the only, the noise box is the only DIY venue in Tampa. Everything else is like more professional <laughs> venues or bars or something like yeah, that. Somewhere where a DIY band is not going to get in. Yeah. So being able to still have the shows that we have and just keep that DIY mentality with everything. I mean, we've had bigger, we've had being as an ocean there. We've had, um, spite, spite. We've had, who else we had 68. We've had, we've had like national touring bands yeah. come through, but it's always been about like the smaller or mid tier, mid tier, like bands, just trying to help give them a place to play. Amen. I guess then it's perfect time to transition to the, the, event that we are working together on because we're given a place to play for um, some of the bands that are playing bar down Breakfast the night before where we're going to have an elder emo night out presented by convicted printing so yes, super super stoked to work with you guys we have six killer bands and a epic guest host that we're ready to announce like any day now. Super stoked on that. And it's going to be at Hourglass Brewing, which I, you know, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So unfortunately, I have not been there yet, but I've only heard great things about Hourglass. Like it's a really like kind of edgy brewery where, you know, at least here in the Charlotte market, kind of like the finance bros take over the breweries. But this is yeah. kind of like the edgy kind of alternative brewery in orlando so it seems like a perfect fit and uh we're bringing out the mobile screen printing from convicted which i'm super stoked to just watch uh, i kind of want to i'll put in my 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 request i, I would love to squeeze you a shirt like i feel like yeah, that'd be super cool for sure absolutely yeah so I, i'm i'm super stoked that that's going to be uh at hourglass and you can kind of just pick a design on the spot and have it printed right in front of you that's super cool and uh i was telling you on on the phone the other day like when i lived in troy new york there was a place that did this at a, at a farmer's market and uh they would even do like kind of like paint and sip kind of nights where you know people would go and paint like you know whatever it is but then they would also have their screen printer set up and they would have mm -hmm. screen printing nights so like you could like drink some wine paint and then like screen print <laughs> also it was, it, yeah it was super cool so once you guys mentioned that i was like yes we're doing that that's super <laughs> cool <laughs> yes yeah that's actually been something we uh just started this year we've yeah. been wanting to do for a while um but we actually just started this year really getting into like offering that for any like festivals or shows or whatever that we're sponsoring, you know, saying, Hey, we can, you know, bring out our mobile screen printing stuff and do on-site shirts. And we have had, like, I was one, of, it was one of those things where I wasn't entirely sure if people would be about it, but like the response, every time we've mentioned it, they're like, yes, absolutely. We had one guy who um, was running a convention who he saw us doing something like that and was like, Oh, do you, do you guys do that? And I was like, yeah, he's like, absolutely. Come on out. Like I want, like that i want that at the event and then uh another spookala uh a horror convention. horror convention we just sponsored in ocala um he was like we mentioned that to him and he was like oh my gosh that is super cool i you know i've not seen that in any other conventions i want this like that needs to be there and it, which has been really cool because it's one of those things that I thought I've always thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I'd love to like offer that, but I wasn't sure how people were going to respond. Like if anyone would like go for it, and it's been like across the board every time we've mentioned it, they're like, absolutely, bring that, super cool. Yeah, and you know, especially if you are buying merch these days at a show, you know, there there's companies that do kind of like the laser printing, laser screen yeah. printing. Yeah. And then you wash it two times and the shirt is crap. Like yeah. it, it, the, it just doesn't hold up yeah. where, you know, seeing it being made in front of your eyes the correct way. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, you know what? I know that this shirt's going to at least hold up. Like, when right. I wash yeah, it. exactly. A little bit of insurance. Yeah. And it's crazy. It, like, I've, I've thought about that a lot is like speaking of doing it the correct way. 
it's crazy. It's like, like we're sending people, we're about to send people to Mars and still the most reliable way to put a design on a shirt is through a stencil with ink. And it's just like manually with your hands, pushing it through, making the t-shirt. Yep. Like the fact that like, that was like really pioneered like in the sixties and seventies with the bands that were like, Oh, we need to, it's, started like the screen printing revolution to some extent started with bands who wanted to, an alternative way to make money, you know? So screen printing and bands have always like gone hand in hand. Um, and uh, the fact that it's still just like you had like hippies, like making like, you know, really revolutionizing the the t-shirt industry with these stencils. And it's still the, the best, thing. most reliable way to do it. It's like, Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> But it's true, like, you know, the 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 tea springs and the tea publics of the world where, yeah, it's convenient, but right. the shirts are trash and like they yeah. don't hold up. And yeah, they probably can make them super quick. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, the, the customers are going to be like, yeah, I'm not buying a shirt from them the second time. Like, uh, right. It's not worth it. So like doing it the right way, even though it, it might be, you know, a little, take a little more elbow grease and <laughs> actually like squeezing it down and all that. But yeah. it's, it's the way that works and it's the way that's going to hold up. Absolutely. Yeah. We've actually had a number of um, clients we've gotten recently. Like we've been getting into uh, sponsoring streamers and stuff like that. Yeah, content and a lot of content creators use like Teesprings, those online services. And uh, one of the guys who ended up working with us, was like, yeah, I did that. And all of my customers complained about it. Like all my fans complained about the quality of the shirt. So I needed something else. So. <clears throat> no, yeah. I've, I've, I've used them in the past and they're, they're trash. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it. Like they just <laughs> yeah. they don't hold up, but for, you know, when you only need a few, I, I guess it's an option. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So not, not trying to totally put them down, but. No, 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 no. It's 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 one of those things. It's that's a hard convenience to, factor. It's a convenience factor, and it's hard to keep up with that kind of demand, you know. So it's there's going to be struggles with it, um, you know. But it's it's you know the tried and true way. Um, at the end of the day, usually comes out on top, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and and we'll be able to do it right there in the parking lot of Hourglass Brewing, and oh, yeah. I'm super stoked for oh. it, and. Uh, like I mentioned, we got six bands playing live sets of, you know, some bands playing as some of the classics like Newfound Glory and Paramore. And then we also have some doing kind of just like a, a mashup of the emo hits. And uh, like I said, we have a really cool guest host that I'm super stoked to announce. And like I mentioned, any day now we will be able to announce that. And it's going to be the night before Barnown Breakfast presented by convicted printing so super stoked to have you guys come out and hang out i know you already know some of the bands that are playing so it's just going to be a party oh yeah sir it's gonna be fun hell yeah so um i guess you know just to to wrap it up you know we've been chatting for almost an hour now you know uh what's what's on your horizon for convicted like if if a band wants to reach out to you guys to to get some shirts made are you still taking new customers on like what's the process that you know up and coming bands can go through that's mostly my job so yeah that's (laughs) mostly his job so yeah you want to hit me up you can reach us through our website convictedprint.com there's a little uh request the quote nine times out of ten you're gonna get me my beautiful face helping you out or not beautiful face however you want to look at it but uh (laughs) yeah we take on new customers all the time yeah, and then we try to keep them as customers, yeah. obviously. But and with band, with bands, especially smaller bands, um, one of our main things that we do is our artist endorsement project, mm-hmm. um, and that really is focused on you know getting bands like discounts on merch and then promotion. Like we promote them on all our stuff, and then uh, we're actually in the works right now working on uh, a number of different um, projects as far as like. Uh, like a band boot camp, stuff like that, where like development type, the development side of things where we, you know, help them like, you know, develop their, their merch rig, uh, help them develop, you know, their um, getting into touring, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, tips and tricks. Cause we've, everyone, every, most of the people who work for convicted have been in a band have toured all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so that's that's our our focus is really on like helping younger bands not make the mistakes that we made. Uh, this is the main thing, uh, and you know, just giving them those resources and helping them do what they want to do with their lives and the stuff they're passionate about. So, yep. hell yeah! And I'm guessing you you take on local clients as well, maybe people that are not necessarily in bands and maybe just need like you know a family outing or you know a reunion tour. A yeah, reunion. we help the normies too. We help yeah. the normies too. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we do uh, we do um really anything that comes across our, our table um if it's a shirt and you need to print it we can help yeah we got you for sure Hell yeah love that well justin tom i i truly appreciate you guys coming on here and and talking convicted talking bolts uh super stoked to to hang out with you guys and print some shirts at elder emo night out at hourglass brewing on june 24th in orlando and uh who knows like we might be watching a, a Bolts Stanley Cup yeah. uh, finals game that night too. Like it, it, sure. it could be like that week as well. So we got we got a lot coming up, and I'm super stoked for it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, Thank you. Thanks, guys, and we'll we'll be seeing you in a few weeks. And uh, wish you all the best. Thank all you. Right, Sounds good. Go well. Bolts. Go Bolts. <laughs>